if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Now, today's guest is Al Dunning. We've been trying to get Al on for a while and our um, calendars didn't quite match up, but eventually we've uh, been able to catch up and have a chat. How are you today, Al? I'm fine, thanks, Gladys. How are you today? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Now, Al, I'm going to make a quick introduction for people that haven't heard of you. This is off your website, and it's um, Al Dunning has owned and operated the Almosta Ranch in Scottsdale, Arizona since 1970. Over the years, Al's developed his multifaceted equine business with a focus on the development of champion horses and riders. And with over 45, this is a pretty good record of Al, with over 45 world and reserve world titles, Al and his students have dominated AQHA, NCHA, NRCHA and NRHA events. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Al, your teaching's taken you all over the world. You conduct clinics, you share your techniques and your philosophies on horsemanship and that's what we want to do today, share your philosophies on horsemanship and um, some of your teaching techniques. So looking forward to chatting to you. Well, thank you. Uh, matter of fact, it's 49 reserve world and reserve world <laughs> champions as of right now. So oh, I'm looking for that brilliant. 50th coming that's up brilliant. this coming year. Yeah, yeah. So 49, That's um, was that from last year, that 45 on, on the website? Yeah, it was just a little old. We had to update a little bit. We had missed a couple along the way there, and last yeah. year we did pretty good. Uh, so anyway, it's that way. And, you know, I just finished at a horse show uh, today in uh, a five-day show here in Arizona, yeah. and uh, it was a cutting horse contest. And it's really the first time I've shown in, um, in almost a year a except for one quarter horse show because I had my hip replaced. So uh, I had uh, I had a little time off to recuperate from that. Okay. And and you went well at the five-day show? Yeah, I did great. Yeah, yeah. I won a few classes, and uh, my customers did real well. And uh, so we had good. I have one customer going to the world finals coming up here at the 1st of December in Fort Worth, Texas. And um Anyway, and I went to a quarter horse show recently where I won the reining and won the cutting both and um, qualified a horse for the world championship show in the cutting. So um, I, I things are really looking up for next year. <laughs> well, if you're up to 49 now and you've already got a couple of qualified, it looks like you're uh, well and truly on your way to getting that fifth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, Al, we normally start people off with a favorite quote could be something that's inspired you, influenced you, could be something that you find yourself repeatedly saying to your students. So if I was going to ask you about your favourite quote, what would you say? Well, you know, Gladys, it's real simple because, see, I believe it's a long-term thing, and I think horses are a, a, a thing that you must love and that you must repeatedly do well with the horse so the horse continues to do well. So um, the quote that I always use is... Uh, you know, one percent improvement a day, one hundred days, one hundred percent, and that way you all you have to do is continue to improve each day just a little bit. Um, you know, don't make 
it doesn't make any difference if you make great strides. A lot of people that make big strides real fast um, skip things, and I believe in the ABC method. Matter of fact, uh, where you don't skip A to you know go to D or to M. I believe you go A B C D all the way through, and you learn from the basics on up. And that's that's what we teach here. I'm just thinking about you know if you compound that you know like you sort of think one percent in a day gives you a hundred percent improvement over a hundred days. But if you start compounding that, it just gives you an exponential improvement. It's not just a hundred percent. It's way over that. So. Uh, yeah, just those little little improvements every day. Well, you know, I believe I believe in the basics, mm. Glennis. I believe in the basics, number one, and that 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 would be a great subject for us to talk about because without the basics, you really have nothing. You have no foundation, and I believe you have to have a foundation, a good foundation as a rider, and yeah. you have to have your horse have a good foundation for him to be, you know, know his stuff and not. You know, not be trained by fear, but be trained by um, doing the right things over and over. Yes, yes. Okay. Al, have you always been a professional horseman? You know, I mean, you, you're sort of well and truly embodied in it. Now, sometimes uh, people have a, you know, a different career and then they say, this isn't really what I want to do. I'm more worried about lifestyle than this other career. I really want to do more with my horses. Has it always been horses for you or have you had another career as well? Well, my first job was picking oranges for the neighbor when I was about eight years old, <laughs> and for for they had a they had a they had a store, and so I was picking oranges for them, and uh, then I would go ride my horse a little bit. And I sure liked the horse rather than climbing those daggum <laughs> trees, getting all scratched up. And then I, um, you know, I went to school, and when I was in college, I studied to be a personnel director, and that's um, you know I I studied business and psychology. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, along the way, I kept showing horses along the way. I showed starting in the youth at 12 years old, and um, I showed on and was a champion youth rider um, until I was, you know, became a professional when I became 20 years old. And, uh, you know, I worked for several trainers. I I started working for a trainer when I was 12, really. I, I would work and do what I could so I could ride a horse and learn a little bit, and then, um, then I became an, an assistant trainer about about the time I was fifteen or sixteen, and um, then by the time I became uh, wanted to know more, I, I worked for another trainer for a while till, through college, and then um, uh, he had a little accident, and uh, he had to kind of move back to a different place, and so here I was left at this ranch by myself, and the name of the ranch was Almost Ranch. <laughs> I had a stallion in those days named Ricky Bonanza, who was a world champion stallion. I was breeding, and I was showing reining horses, and and I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. So one day I was in college, senior year, and I unfortunately I I, I quit. I left my books on the desk. I went home. I told my mother I was going to quit and become a horse trainer uh, full-time, and Mm -hmm. I called the girlfriend that I had and asked her to marry me, and I've been married for 48 years since then. Wow. Wow. And how old were you when you when you ended up being in the position where you were just in charge then? You know, I'll be 70 next year, so I became a professional in 1970. Wow. And um, so I've been basically a professional now for 50 years. So thinking about, you know, because I always ask people this, about people who work in the horse industry, what sort of people do they need to be? Now, this doesn't, you know, obviously they've got no bad horses, but their character. 
what type of a character, what type of core skills do they need to work in the horse industry? What sort of person do they need to be? Well, you know, I I, I got to think it makes, you know, today it's tougher than it was when I was a young man. You know, it, it takes, you know, you have to be much more fluent than you had to be then. I had a good education you know, I had a good background because of showing in the youth classes. I'd worked for professional trainers for, you know, about, I don't know, 10 years or so or more before I became a professional. So I knew what they did. And um, But I think, Glennis, I think it takes a, a person that has a personality, you know, a person yeah. that understands people. I think the Psychology classes I took in, in school and in college were important to me, um, I think, because it taught me how to get along with people, how to teach, um, how to be understanding, uh, how to be empathetic, how to be sympathetic at times, um, but also how, you know, when to push and when not to. Um, then I, I, the, the other part was, I think, the business classes I took in school and that, um, you know, I continued learning through, uh, you know, working for other horsemen uh, that weren't very good horse, weren't very good uh, businessmen. Um, and I saw them struggle later in life because they didn't uh, run their horse training as a business. Mm-hmm. They were so involved in winning and riding horses, they forgot about, you know, getting paid properly and doing right and keeping books and doing all the things you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And it is important, you know. I mean, people often talk to me about coming into the horse industry, and it's not just one skill you learn. You know, you've had your business skills, your leadership skills, and your people skills alongside that's helped, you know, while you've had your your horse, your actual horse training, horse skills, but you've had these other business skills to help along. And I think that a lot of the time, the horse industry now, you've got to have your horse skills. You've got to know that. But you've also got to have some thing along the way, you know, like if someone wants to teach even, they've got to know how to, all the horse skills, but they've also got to know how to teach those skills. You know, it's it's having a couple well, of things along as well. Yeah. You know, and I, I believe I've done real well owning my own ranch. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as I yep. was able to, I was able to buy my own place yep. and develop my own property. And so I'm, I'm also a a veterinarian. Uh, obviously, I don't have a license, but I know a lot about veterinary medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a plumber. Yep. I'm a carpenter. Yep. I'm a. Uh, I can drive a tractor. I know about the you know pasture management, and I know about cattle. I know about doctoring cattle. I know about um, you know you, you you have to know so many things to get a horse. I know about equipment, care of equipment, and. Um, I know about taking care of my rigs, uh, so I'm a mechanic also in, in some ways, you know. Uh, you know, I, I I had a real wonderful man that kind of helped mentor me along the way. And, um, you know, he told me I didn't have to be an expert in everything. I had to know a little bit about everything, mm. but that I had to surround, my, surround myself with experts. Yes, yes. I think that was uh, Henry Ford, wasn't it? Didn't know, but surrounded himself with experts. Absolutely, you know. Mm-hmm. What makes it, though, to be the person who says, okay, I want to go and I want to learn about that bit of plumbing and I want to learn about how to, you know, make my tractor work or learn how to, you know, you could have just said, no, I'm just going to be a horse trainer and that's all I'm going to stick to and that's it. And I don't need to learn about business. I just want to be 
a horse trainer. What what makes it that you've then said, right, well, I'm going to learn about everything? Is it just the one mentor or do you think he saw something in you, in your personality that, um, you know, that made you open to that idea? Well, you know, I've, I've always been a fairly good problem solver, you mm-hmm. know, um, and so if I saw a problem, whether it was electrical or whether it was mechanical or whether it was in a horse or a rider, yeah. I always had um, had a good analytical way to think about it and to try to figure out um, a plan, you know, and I've always, I've thought everything I do needs to have a master plan as we go along and I need to have, uh, you know, a, a good set of goals that I you know, or realistic that I can um, you know, accomplish. And that, again, I, I I believe in taking little steps as I can. And then every once in a while you get lucky and you take a giant leap. And, um, you know, I've always been interested in a lot of things. I'm easily bored. And so I, uh, I it's it's real easy for me to, if, uh, if I'm at getting my truck worked on, I want to know what they're doing, you know, and I want to know how they're doing it. And if same way with the tractor and same way with the plumbing and same way with all that. And I think yeah. if you're going to own your own place and you're going to run your own business, you ought to have your hand, your finger in everything. You shouldn't leave it up to somebody else. Yes, yes. Al, when you first met, I want you to think back over, you know, all of you, quite a few students that have sort of helped you and um, I'm sure made you proud about, uh, you know, getting to that level where they're getting to your championship. Is there something, say, in, in a young kid, you know, you might see a 15-year-old kid, do you see there's something special in them that they're going to go on and be a good competitor? Is there something, can you see something at that age or is it a bit later on? What, what makes a top competitor? You know, I see a lot of young people that have the dream, you know, uh, but dreaming isn't what it's really all about. I mean, you got to have a, a, a dream but you got to have a great work ethic and you have to, you have to work hard and you have to uh, be mentored by somebody and you have to listen and you, you need to learn. Someone told me one time I needed to work for this horse trainer and I did. And they said, you need to learn everything you can from him, you know, and keep the good, keep what the good things that work for you and, and, you know, Get rid of the bad stuff, and 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 then finally you'll develop your own um, persona mm-hmm. and your own system with a horse and with students and uh, things. And so, you know, I think I think to be a, any kind of a horse trainer today, I, I think you've got to be a student, um, a student of learning, a student of the game, a student of psychology, a student of business, and obviously you got to have some horse in you. Um, you know, there's, there's some people that would love to be a good horseman, but they just don't have any horse in them. They don't understand what a horse is feeling and thinking. And, and, uh, they, they, they treat them more like a, uh, like a motorcycle or a bicycle. And they think they can, you know, just ride them and make it work. And, uh, mm. a lot of times you have to stop and think, you know, how the horse feels and how he thinks each day, uh, cause he can't tell you. So, you know the good horse trainers. Uh, I, I always say it, that, and I could repeat it a thousand times. You got to have a little horse in you. I mean, yeah. You got to have horse sense. Mm-hmm. You got to have horse sense. You got to be logical. You have to teach a horse logically so he can think, because horses can't think it as fast as we do. So people have a tendency to do things, move their hands and feet, and 
you know, try to progress a horse faster than they're really capable. So they lose my ABC method and uh, they jump letters as they go. And then they wonder why the horse, you know, is doing certain things uh, that we, you know, don't want them to do. But, you know, they skip stages as they went and that's what they caught. That's what caused it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking because, you know, you, you talked about being a business school and understanding people and being empathetic, but you're sort of understanding people and being empathetic the same way that you're understanding horses and being empathetic to the horse. Same way, yeah. yeah. You know, so I think horses are somewhat like people, you know, but they, they look for us for everything, for all their direction. So if you're quick with a horse, uh, if you're you know, not smooth moving around them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, if you rush things as you go, um, you leave holes in the program, you mm-hmm. know, and that uh, that doesn't make winners. Yeah. yeah. So you can see in my, in my, what I'm saying is that, you know, a, a young person has to have talent. They yes. got to be semi athletic. They got to have some endurance. They got to have want to. Mm-hmm. But they also want to, they need to do the grunt work. You know, they, you, you know, I, I cleaned stalls for years and I still will. And, um, and I'll, 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 I'll shovel the poop and I'll shovel the dirt and I'll work up the arena and I'll do whatever I need to, to make, you know, things right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just part of what you're supposed to do as a, as a good horseman to make things right for a horse. Like I say, they, they look to us everything. And a lot of young people don't really know how hard a work it really is you know i've mm-hmm. had uh, you know i just had my hip replaced and yep. i had it replaced from all the years of riding i've had both knees up you know twice i've had my back surgery from a horse falling on me i've had broken bones over the years and just uh you know i i and i look forward to going out there every day you know and that when i wake up in the morning lennis it's 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 a it's every day is a good day because i get to do something with people and horses yes yes no i can agree with you i've got a list of your of some mentors here right what i'd like you to do is tell me one thing that you've learned from each one of them stop i need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification that is that the latest version of the book 101 careers in the horse industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download so if you work in the horse industry if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats okay Okay. (laughs) i'll put you on the spot here okay jim paul well jim started i started with jim when i was very young and Mm -hmm. uh jim taught me a work ethic okay jim was a tough guy he had been in the in the navy he was a strong guy um but he was a worker, you know, got up early um, and he didn't quit till the job was done. And, um, you know, if he needed to ride the horse twice each day rather than ride it once too hard, mm-hmm. um, he did it. And um, I think I learned from him that it wasn't going to be a, 
a walk in the park, that it was going to be a job, and yep. that I had to look at it like that. It wasn't about my starch shirt and my starch jeans. It was about getting dirty and working hard and doing the right thing over and over, trying mm-hmm. to make those horses right, and uh, developing not only my horses, but my business also. And so, you know, Jim taught me that, and then he taught me to be a winner, you know, so... um you know, because every day he got up, he, that's all he thought about was making good horses and, and, you know, making those horses as good as they could be. He, he, he told, in, in the U.S., they talk about being in the Army. They talk about being all you can be. And uh, that's what he, tra- he taught me to do. He taught me to ride each horse, work hard, mm-hmm. not a, expect a horse that wasn't capable to do more than what he was, you know, really um, you know, put on earth to do but make him be as good as he possibly could. Okay. What about John Hoyt? You know, John Hoyt, he taught me finesse. You know, he was a, he was a really a way ahead of his time when it came to, uh, you know, you know what, what I did with horses. And he taught me to be an, you know, Jim taught me to be an all-around rider, too, where I could train any horse to do anything. And um, John just, made it easier for me because he, he, he kind of set a program where, you know, he worked hard too. He was a tough guy, worked hard. And, um, you know, he, he was an overcomer in so many ways. And again, um, he kind of told me that if I was ever going to be good, that I needed to train every horse that I got in training and, and give everybody their money's worth and make sure when the horseshoe came, the shoes were worn out of that horse. Mm. And then he also taught me never to ride a horse that was in pain, you know, not, you know, to actually, I'll, I'll tell you, Glenn, it's probably the most important thing I told you, he, he taught me about finesse, but I trained this horse, but I thought this horse was so well-trained and, um, I let him ride the horse. I was so proud of the horse. And mm-hmm. he said, this horse would be better if, if I was riding it. He was talking about himself. Yeah. I kind of looked at him and I said, well, what did I miss? He said, Allie, and I was 19 at the time, and he said, the day you can feel through your body exactly what the horse's feet are doing, exactly all four feet, Mm -hmm. what they're doing, and what that horse is thinking through your hands, and what your seat is telling you about how the horse is moving, he said, you'll be a great horse trainer. But until then, you're going to just train average horses. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what the heck he was talking about, but... (laughs) But I, I thought about it every day when I rode. I thought about feel, about what I felt in the horse and what the horse was thinking. And one day it clicked. That's a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Don Dodge. Well, Don Dodge taught me about cutting. And um, he also uh, he taught me that there was a regimen to working a horse and that young horses need to be worked a lot often, but not too hard. So we would ride horses. He taught me to ride horses five days a week and give them one day where they were exercised as turned out or put on the hot walker or something like that. And then they had one full day of rest. He also taught me that before I prepare a horse to a show that they should be not only worked properly, but they should be well rested, well cared for. You know, he was really into caring for horses and taught me about more about wrapping legs and taking care of the horse and the physical being and 
the importance of feeding a horse at the exact time every day and uh, and things like that. Don was, uh, he trained cutting horses, reining horses, cow horses, hunters and jumpers, race horses, everything in his career. And he just passed that on to me about how important it was to revere the horse, you know, take care of that horse and make sure that horse knew how much you appreciated them by, you know, how well you took care of them. Mm -hmm. Another one, Benny Guatron. Do you say that, Guatron? Is that how you pronounce his name? Who's that? Benny Guatron, G-U-I-T-R-O-N. Oh, Benny Guatron. Guatron, okay. Yeah, Benny Guatron okay. was a good friend of mine, and uh, uh, Benny was uh, he was one of the last hand-me-downs of the Vaquero days uh, in California. And Benny was a great hackamore man, and, and he could train a, a hackamore horse or a bridle horse, and uh, he did it with a lot of finesse. And, uh, you know, uh, Benny was a smart guy, and he knew what kind of horse it took to uh, to win on. And um, he, he also knew that you shouldn't try to put a round peg in a square hole or vice versa, that you had to have the right kind of horse. It had to be bred right. It had to be, you know, today it's so important and, and competition is so tough that you can't have a horse that you, and, and when I first started Glennis, you could take a horse that was just half talented. And if you were a good trainer, you could train that horse to be a winner. Mm -hmm. And today you can't do that. Today it takes everything. You got to have a well-bred horse. It has to have great confirmation. You have to be a, good trainer and do a really great job with horse and you got to really take good care of that horse too but uh you know it has to have the right confirmation the right breeding everything to be a winner today yeah yeah you've got quite a few here i'm going to keep going bobby ingersoll well you know bobby ingersoll well you know he's been a good friend of mine for years and he's probably the greatest rain cow horse man ever mm -hmm. um you know bobby was uh Again, a great bridle man, hackamore man, great with the snaffle bit. Um, and, you know, what he taught me is to kind of know your horse, I guess, that probably along the way. You know, I've learned so much from so many, um, you know, and and the great, the great trainers of the day um, were Bobby Ingersoll and a guy named Mac Lynn taught me how to change leads properly. And, and, you know, I think, I think Bobby Ingersoll was a, uh, a great showman, meaning that he could take a horse and ride off the seat of his pants and feel everything the horse was doing and get more out of it because of that. And, um, again, um, tradition was so important to Benny Catrone and him and, Mac Lynn and, and all the guys that I got to be around, you know, um, Ronnie Richards was another one that was so great. That was taught me to how to show a horse, right. Um, you know, just by being around them, I never worked for those guys, but I was around them and, and I, I revered those men. And, um, I looked at them as, you know, what I, I wanted to be. I tried to take a piece of everybody and see if it worked in my program, you know, and I, like I said, I threw away the stuff that didn't work mm. and I tried to keep the stuff that did. And I learned from so many. And there was another great horseman named Jimmy Williams. And Jimmy was probably, probably one of the greatest horse trainers I've ever seen. 
And um, on the back of his trailer, it said, uh, the day I quit learning is the day that I die. Mm. And uh, and I learned that from him is that, you know, just when you think you know everything, you really don't. You know, so, yes. And, yes. you know, there was a great baseball player here in the U.S. back when called Satchel Page, and he had a saying, he said, don't look back, they may be gaining on you. That was his saying. <laughs> and, and I... And I believe that. Don't look back. Look forward and keep mm-hmm. learning and keep moving forward all the time. And don't don't stay copacetic your whole life. I, I've never I've never wanted to. You know, I've trained about every kind of horse. I've mm-hmm. trained uh, rope horses, barrel horses, jumping horses. Um, you know, uh, western pleasure horses, trail horses. Um, I've had world champions in the western riding, reining, cow horse, cutting. And I've never been bored, and I've always wanted to learn. I, I, and I don't know where I'm going to go next, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm having a lot of fun still. <laughs> Tell us about Buster Welch. Well, that's interesting. You mentioned Buster. You know, Buster is probably, he's probably the most analytical cutting horse man that ever ever lived, you know. And, and Buster's still alive. And, um, and Buster still, when you talk to him, um, you know, he makes sense. And he, he always tells you, you know, be solid, you know, be solid, you know, do, do, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't overlook things, you know, keep, keep your mind on things, uh, do the right thing. Uh, and when he talks about cutting, he talks about what your hand is doing and what your legs are doing and, and about what the horse is thinking, how natural the horse should be in some ways, but then the horse should listen to you in other ways. And, and, you know, I, I've learned from so many guys about, you know, watching those horses' ears, you know. I never never like a horse with his ears back, mm-hmm. ever. You know, I want those horses' ears forward, and I want them thinking. Sometimes I want one ear back at me and one ear forward at the cow, you know, and uh, and and things like that. So any, any of those great trainers of the past and still the guys that are still out there banging away at it, you can learn something for everything. And, and what's interesting, Glennis, now is there's – you know, I'm one of the older guys now. You know, I'm not one of the kids, so I'm not an upper-comer. I've, I've already been where most of them want to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I still learn. I'm still watching all the young guys, too. And sometimes I shake my head at them and think, that's not good horsemanship. That's not – they're not treating that horse with dignity and uh, and, and things. But but I, I still try to learn things from – a lot of them, and I and I watch a lot. And mm. like at the cutting this weekend, I, I tried to watch everybody that that how they showed the horse. And you know, I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be one of the guys that they say, "Well, that guy's, you know, he's he's past his prime, and he's mm. not tried to keep up with today, and he's uh, the old old school." Yep. But I'm proud of being old school. But I'm also, um, you know, forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What about Dave McGregor? Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know how you came up with all those names, Glenn. I've still got a few. I really appreciate that you, you know, you give credit to so many people. You know, you've got you're there. You're a great trainer. You've got your own system, but you, you're also saying, you know, lots of credit to all these people that that I've learned from as well. You know, and then I'm sure that lots that of people something? are going to say, you know, that they've learned from you. So yeah. Anyway, Dave McGregor. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you about Dave McGregor. Dave McGregor is as smooth as they get, you know. Um, the interesting thing about Dave, you know, he never showed a lot of horses. He showed a few, and when he showed one, you better watch out because 
you knew he did his homework on that horse and that that was he was going to be one of the guys to beat um and he he was a cutting horse trainer and still is and, and you know he's an older fellow now but i still um i respect him in such a great way because uh, again i think he probably the thing that i thought about him uh th- through him was that you have to have a, a true connection with the horse to be great. Um, meaning that that horse has got to feel you and you got to feel the horse. And, and there's got to be some kind of a thing of, of appreciation that you have for that horse at all time for all the little things the horse does. Um, you know, it's easy when a horse runs and slides and stops real hard and really gives you his all at one time. But, you know, when, 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 when a horse starts to do something good, you shouldn't use it up. You know, you shouldn't overdo it. You should appreciate it and continue to develop it and, and don't practice the things the horse does best, but practice their things that they do um, that are maybe their shortcomings and try to develop those and, and just allow the goodness in the horse to come out and try to let the good things he does be his thing, but you know, never let. I, I believe here's here's something that I've learned over the years that I could teach any young man or any young woman that wants to train a horse is I believe you should think no stone unturned. Have you ever heard that saying? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So no stone unturned means that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make sure I'm going to look at that horse and I'm going to think, try to think what that horse is thinking. Uh, I'm going to make sure his coat is is good. I'm going to make sure his weight is correct. I'm going to make sure his feet are healthy and in great shape and he's shod properly. I'm going to make sure that uh, the veterinarian checks them every so often and make sure there's nothing sore, nothing going wrong with the horse. I'm going to make sure I spend the right time on him, but I'm not going to overdo that horse. I'm never going to work that horse where he can't breathe properly and think properly. A lot of these young guys, they ride those horses too hard and those horses get too hot and they get, they get to breathing too hard and, and they cannot think properly. And you can't do that. I wouldn't want it done to me. And yeah. we shouldn't do that to the horse. And those are the things that a guy like Dave McGregor made so crystal clear in so many ways, the way he treated his horses. And, um, know how much he appreciated them and he gave the horse the credit not himself i could see it really pulled the good out of all these people you know what about doug williamson wow you know doug williamson is such a great man um you know doug is a plotter you know you know what a plotter is a plotter is a person that just keeps going no matter what yeah. you know yeah and he's a plotter he he'll probably Doug will ride off the seat of his pants as good as any man alive, meaning that he can feel a horse. He has more feel in his rear end sitting in that saddle because he, he knows what's going on. He knows exactly what John Hoyt told me a long time ago. You need to know exactly what's going on underneath that horse, how his feet are moving, where he is, how his back is round, how he's you know, flexing his pole, what his mouth feels like. And Doug has all that. And and Doug is an amazing hand, and his longevity uh, is amazing. Uh, here's this guy. He has a cancer. He's been through hell and back, and he is still going strong, and he loves what he does. And I asked him not too long ago, I said, hey, Doug, what are you going to do when you can't ride? He said, die. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. He's going to ride till he can't ride. Period. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's an amazing man and loves what he does. Are you going to be like that? Ride until you can't ride anymore? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about another man that's real interesting that I just revere in a great way. His name is Johnny Brazil. Johnny, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe he's 92 or 94, something like that. I did an article with him not too long ago because I write for the Quarter Horse Journal about all these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and I asked Johnny, I said, well, how, when was the last time you rode a horse? And he goes, well, let me think for a minute. Oh, about 20 minutes ago, he said. <laughs> <laughs> So Johnny, he's he's so uh, he's a little guy, and he he's a great vaquero trainer, great bridle horseman, spade bit man, and uh, and has been since oh I don't know the forties maybe. Mm-hmm. And Johnny developed a system where he hooked his saddle up to a hoist, and he could hoist the saddle up uh, with a pulley system where he could actually get it up. Then he leads the horse underneath it, throws the saddle pad on, and lets the saddle down, down on the horse so he can get it on. Then he cinches it up. Then he leads, puts the bridle on the horse, and then he leads it up to the, the mountain block, and he walks up the mountain block and gets on the horse, and then he rides at 90-something. And, wow, that just makes me want to go out there and ride a horse right now. You know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You can't, though, because I've still got a couple of others to ask you about. Greg Whalen. Yeah, Greg is a... Uh, Greg is a dear friend. He lives just down the street from me here uh, in Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, Greg is a halter horse guy. I'll, I'll tell you, I attribute Greg. Greg was a great bronc rider in his day. Um, he trained halter horses, but Greg has an eye for a horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he probably taught me about that. You know, he taught me about what to look for in a horse. Like I said, you don't want to fit a square peg in a round hole or vice versa, but for every event, um, you should try to find a horse that is uh, maximizes the potential. Um, so when you train the horse, you've got, you know, uh, something that is worthy of, of, of spending the time and effort with. Um, Greg also, when I was young and I was training halter horses and showing halter horses, told me he watched me ride and watched me show. And, and he came to me one day. This is, oh, golly. 1973, probably. Yep. And he said, Al, he said, you need to drop the halter horse deal and you need to strictly ride horses. He said, because you're daggum good at it. You got a feel for it. And he said, there will always be a place for you in that. And I'm I'm worried about the halter horse business, how it's going to go up and down. Yep. And he said, there's only a few guys that are really going to profit from it and do well with it. And, you know, I at that time, I took that to heart. And I thought about it. I thought, wow, you know, I'd rather ride than lead anyway. And um, and I had some champion halter horses, and I was, you know, you know, I had the champion champions at the Sun Circuit Quarter Horse Show, which was the show in those mm-hmm. days, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after that, I got to thinking about what he said. I thought, wow, you know, I'm going to spread myself too thin. I need to start focusing a little more on um, on really what I want to do. And so, um. That's when I kind of went into more of the reining horses full-time. As I go through all these people, you know, I I see how they've just given you lessons. And I think, you know, I think for anyone listening that hasn't had this many people that have helped them, you know, to to just learn from people. 
it's um, you know, big wide world and, and no one knows everything, but you can learn so much from <laughs> from very well versed, very knowledgeable people. You know, yeah. it's, it's interesting that a lot of the young guys kind of hang around with the young guys. I mm. think that's dead wrong. You yeah. know, yeah. I think that's so wrong. I think I like the idea. Don Dodge one time, and I, I use it now at my age because Don's gone. And he says, "I've already been where most of them want to go." Mm. You know, mm. and and that's why I wanted to hang with those guys. You know, and I wanted to learn from the history. I wanted to learn not just how. I wanted to learn why. You yeah. know, yeah, and um, and I. I wanted to have a background. I wanted to have some history why I was doing this, why I was holding the reins the way I did, or why I was how I was sitting in the saddle, or or how I was doing that. And that that was very important to me. And and um, but but I also what I did learn along the way that I needed to be a businessman too, and that was a big part of it. That's why I have a I've got Dunning Consulting where I consult for. You know, people that want to build ranches and yep. Yep. want to get in the horse business and buy horses and mm. all kinds mm. of things. And I, I've got a tack company called AD Tack, where I mm-hmm. sell the tack that I use. And mm-hmm. I only sell quality tack that I actually would use enough, no junk, you know. And, um, you know, I've got sponsorships and I, I, I take care of my sponsors and I, mm. I do things for them. I don't just use them. And I've got, uh, I, I, I do clinics. Uh, I'm going to New Zealand on Wednesday to do a clinic called the kind uh, Equitana Auckland. So, yes, yes, um, yep. and I've I've traveled all over the world doing clinics and teaching and things like that. So I, I believe in giving back. I'm I've been on lots of committees with the big associations, and um, you know I've I've tried to be you know proactive in trying to you know make this continue for the next generation too. If someone's going to start a horse business, you know, they they come to you and say, look, I've got the horse skills, I want to start a horse business, but I don't want it just to be a hobby, you know, I want to get, I'm giving up a good job and I want it to be, yep. to replace my income. What do you think, what advice would you give them about starting their own horse business? You know, so that they can make it, it's not all about the money, but if they're giving up yep. a good, well-paying job, they don't want to do it just for the fun of it. They want to do it to replace their income, but to do it well. Right. So that then as they replace their income, if they, you know, if they want to go and get another import, another horse or buy another property or go to a top competition or, you know, take their students out and around, they've got the money to do it and they're not sort of scraping dimes together to, to be able to do it. What, what would you say? What makes a good business profitable? Well, you know that's that's interesting. You got first of all, you know I would probably spend the time with them if I thought they had the uh, the right demeanor, the mm-hmm. right ability, the right attitude, and the skills. You know, nice. um, I think working for somebody, I think that really helped me along the way to to know the the right things and the wrong things to do. You know, and um, there are several things. I think number one, you need to somehow figure out, you know how to financially have your own place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a lot of real good horse trainers, Glennis, that have moved from place to place, state to state, um, and done that. Very few have been accomplished very much doing that. Uh, yeah. When I decided to put my roots in, my roots are here in Arizona, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they have been since I was a child, and I'm not going anywhere. 
okay? And I, I never have, and I've owned my own place, and I've, I've run my own business, and I've run it my way, and I, I haven't relied on somebody else's money or somebody else's, you know, life or anything else. I've, I've wanted to do it, uh, and I, that's what I would tell somebody. If they, they need to figure out a way to make that happen, and they need to not... They need to build incrementally, you know. Uh, some, some. I, I, I have a young guy that worked for me not too long ago, and he jumped in there, and he had a customer buy him a place, and buy him a truck and trailer, and buy him a house, and buy him everything, and he's 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 in debt over his head, and I don't think he'll ever get out. I think he's a fine young man and a good hard worker, and I think he just jumped in too fast, got in too deep. And um, I think someday the reality will set in that that if he would have taken his time and built a little bit. You remember that saying, 1% a day, 100 yes. days, 100%? Yes. That's the same way. If you're going to be in business, you got to grow it a little at a time. If you try to do too much too quick, you know, maybe you need to start with a used truck and a used trailer. Maybe you need to rent some stalls for a while and get a few bucks up and then finally buy a little piece of land and then you need to leave it sit until you can afford to build your own house and your own barn and you know you dig your own well or whatever it is and, and, and finally you'll have something um, but it'll be all yours and not not somebody you're indebted to you know that's a that's a real poor thing to get done so if a young guy has got the talent probably needs to probably needs to work hard save money and uh and spend it wisely and uh, you know a lot a lot of guys will give up just about anything to ride a great horse and uh that's never been my case you know i mean i've been beat a lot more than i've won but i've won a lot more than most of them and uh it's been because i've tried to do it um and and allow it to happen you know um at the rate that God extends it to be instead of trying to, you know, I, I also, another thing I tell people is that if I think you got to have a good partner, you know, mm-hmm. and my wife has been a great partner for 48 years. So, um, and she, she's helped me and I've helped her and we've done this together. And, uh, you know, she rode with me and, and worked with me for several years before we had kids and, and we had kids. We dedicated our life to the kids, and we 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 wanted to not only have our own place, but we wanted to afford a good education for our children. We wanted to leave a legacy, and um, and it, and that sure isn't. You can't do that if all you want to do is show horses and win, 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 no matter at all cost. You got to stay home. Sometimes you have to give more lessons, and you have to stay home, and you can't go to every show, and you got to take care of your home base and you got to take care of your family. And, you know, there's so, so many things involved in this life. This is just business. This is life. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I believe in my Lord and savior. And I, I believe in that he's given me the talent and the ability to do this. And I give him all the credit. And, um, and I, I know that I'm supposed to take care of my family first. Mm-hmm. and over my own needs and wants. Yeah, I think that's that's very good advice. That's, um, you know, sound business advice, but I think it's sound life advice, isn't it? Mm. Mm. 
what are you, um, you know, you're looking forward to getting that extra world champion out, but what else are you looking forward to? You know, think about the next 12 months, two years, five years. What have you got going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I write those things down, as I, I, and I tell people they should write them down. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got I've got my goals, yep. and I always try to meet my goals. And my uh, uh, right now I have my ranch for sale that I'm on currently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to I want to try to have uh, when I sell this place. I'm finally at this age at, at I'll be seventy March, and I want to I want to train some of my own horses and maybe not. Um, you know, ride so many, like I ride probably every day, you know, I ride 10 or 12 a day, every day. And, uh, I probably want to get down to maybe riding, you know, maybe five or six a day, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to, I want to continue to ride and show and do it as long as I like doing it. And, yep. and um, and I'm, I, I want to spend more time with my wife, you know, mm-hmm. I want to do some more. She's dedicated herself to me for so many years. And has let me do what I do, and it's been good for both of us. You know, we've traveled, we've done a lot of really neat things, but um, I owe her a lot. I owe her my time, especially. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I've got in mind. But you know, I probably I love teaching. I love helping people. I love uh, I love watching people accomplish. And you know, I mentor a lot of people. I've mentored a lot of trainers along the way through the, my program that have gone on to be world champions themselves. And, uh, you know, I've given up a lot of things for myself sometimes to help them. And that's, that's important to me. Mm-hmm. It's important to me to see other people succeed. I think during the time that we've talked to you, Al, today, you know, you've given us a lot of your philosophies about life, philosophy about horses and about training and about people. If you're going to sum up your philosophy about horses... You know, just into one or two sentences. How would you do that? Well, I say, uh, you know, then uh, I guess the saying, and I believe, I guess, oh, man, I wish I could remember. I, I, I know it. It's on the tip of the tongue. <laughs> but the saying that the outside of a horse is good for the inside yes. of a man. Yes. So, uh, Winston Churchill said, mm-hmm. yep, "Okay, that's right." So. I believe that's so important that that we realize what horse gives to us. You know, it's given me, um, you know, it's made my career financially sound. Um, it's given me a good feeling inside most of the time, you know, of success. I've watched horses grow. I, I, I love horses. I love what they do for me. I, I love what I can do for them. And, uh, and I think that's an important part of this. Um, you know, I, I learned like from the, my mentors, people we talked about, that um, you know, if you treat a horse, if you if you show a horse, I'm not, I'm not really. I w- wish the name horse trainer is a little abrupt for me mm-hmm. because I'm I'm not a horse whisperer. Uh, I'm not a horse whisperer. I don't believe really in some of the things that go on with some of those things because I develop horses. Mm-hmm. I develop them. I, I train them. I'm, I, I I think about them. I try to make them as much as they could be. But I've got a horse that I'm riding right now that is he he doesn't have the capability. Mm-hmm. But I love that horse. He gives me his all. Yeah. You know. 
and I know he does. And I've never tried to push him past that point, but I've appreciated him for what he can do. And so, and I think you got to have that in you. I don't know. That, that's like 20 sentences. If I don't have a sentence, I don't have two sentences that tell you, that I can tell you about what horses mean to me. But I can tell you this. I made the right career decision in my life, and I would never go back and change it. And I wouldn't change a minute of it. And all the injuries I've had, all the all the financial ups and downs and everything else like that is that they mean nothing to me because mm-hmm. what means something to me is that it's been a great place for me and my family. And it has been, you know, I've, I've raised two wonderful children and, um, and I have a beautiful wife that, you know, I've never thought of, you know, I have a lot of friends that have had five wives, you know, and, yeah. and they're all, and every one of those guys are broke and everything else. And my wife and I have been partners through the whole thing. And that's uh, it, pretty special, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's what the horse means to me. Now, Al, if people would like to contact you, you know, they might be, yeah, just after this chat, they yeah. might want to ask you something, ask your advice, have a chat to you, just touch base. What's the best way to touch base or to catch you? Well, my my email is Al Dunning. Mm-hmm. Al at aldunning.com. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Al, just A-L at yeah. aldunning.com. Yes. And my website is aldunning.com. Okay. And, um, and, and you can, you know, go to the website, learn about what I do and the things I do. And mm-hmm. um, I've got an internship program that I intern, you know, people, but they have to qualify to be here. And uh, I've got a I've got all kinds of things I do. I do clinics all over the world. When people call me to do them, I, I do them. I don't put on my own clinics. I have people put them on for me, and mm-hmm. I just show up and teach. So yeah. um, but I, I, there's all kinds of things, but that's how you get me. Okay, and those details will be on horsechats.com slash Al Dunning, or just go to horsechats.com, search for Al, or search for Dunning, and you'll get those details. And Al, I've got to say, it's been wonderful talking to you. I've really appreciated your time. I've appreciated talking about the many people that we went through and the lessons that you learned. And uh, yeah, just enjoyed talking to you about your philosophy of the course. It's been wonderful. So thank you. And um, hopefully we'll touch base with you again soon. You're more than welcome. God bless you. Thank you, Al. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.